Welcome to the Whole House Podcast, where you can find home, health, and family all in one place. Our team is comprised of moms from different upbringings and backgrounds. We each have different giftings and passions representing individual rooms, and together we are the Whole House. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for the Whole House Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Whole House Podcast. Today it's Kathleen, and my husband Jerry is back. And the topic of the month, this is Jessica's month, and the topic she picked was gratefulness, which is this is a great month to get into the habit of gratefulness to continue for the rest of the year. It's not a really good thing if you only do it for the month of November because of Thanksgiving and then you quit. This is a good time to form that habit. And today what we're going to talk about is practicing gratefulness when raising kids who have had trauma or have a capital letter syndrome. Now I know that that title is a mouthful, but it is a little bit different when you're raising kids who have already had trauma, that either you're fostering them or you've adopted them, or you have a child that has a capital letter syndrome, or maybe you have both, which we do, we have both of those. So I wanted Jerry to do this podcast with me because we have the same experiences with our family, but we may have a little bit of a different perspective, each of us, so you might gain something from hearing from him and something from hearing from me as well. So I have done plenty of talking in the first couple minutes here. I'll let you share your first point. All right. Well, my first point would be, first of all, hi, everyone. My first point would be, um, there's a lot of, I have several things written down, but I think the first one I'm going to jump into, I'm not going in the order I have them written down, is uh, the, the number one thing that I, not the number one, but one of the big things I was grateful for was when the, when the children first came into our lives, um, an unexpected event happened and I learned and I'm going to this is one of the things I was really grateful for I learned about my dad's history by these children coming into uh, our life just just for those of you who are listening for the first time the event um, he's talking about is we adopted a sibling group of four from Poland so we adopted them and then your story okay so uh, I mean, I'm, uh, I was probably uh, 38 or 40. I don't remember exactly how old I was. But the point, it doesn't matter. The point is I was close to 40. Um, and there were things that I learned about my dad that I never, ever knew. Uh, because he had a really super tender spot. And he's a hard, uh, rough individual, not in the sense of... Uh, just me. He's just gruff. That's how he was always. That's that's who he is. But he had a real tender spot for these kids. And so we're sitting at the table one day, and he starts to share for the first time that I can ever remember in my life about his experience when he was a young boy getting taken uh, because his parents had a divorce, which was kind of uncommon back then. Uh, being set, they were separated. They're fighting over the then the three kids. He had two sisters, and they ended up in uh, a children's home. They ended up with uh, an aunt 
because one of my grandparents wanted to hide the kids from the other grandparent. It was a really nasty stuff. Now, I knew all that. I knew that kind of stuff had taken place. But what I didn't know was all the things that happened to my dad while he was in uh, foster care, children's home, or living with uh, a relative that really honestly I don't think wanted them. They were just doing it out of convenience because they were family. Uh, all the things I, I heard him say, they were heart-wrenching. I'm not going to share all those. That's his story. It's enough to know that that created uh, a really soft spot in his heart. And that moment, it helped me, and I'm so grateful that I started to understand and why my dad is like he was to a greater degree that I never understood before. And I think that's the very first thing, because that was really early on in getting the children. That was one of the very first things that I think, as I reflect back, that I'm really grateful for. It helped me understand my dad, uh, who also, I, I realized at that moment, came from a very hard place in a, as a child. Yes, and I think that's, you know, if you were thinking about adopting or you're just in the beginning stages of adopting, because when he says, you know, when we got the children, I mean, we actually had to go to Poland. That's what he's talking about. So if you're thinking about it and you're not sure how your family is going to respond in your extended family, first of all, you definitely can't control them, but you will probably remain in relationship with them to some extent after you adopt, depending on their reaction to it. But yeah, that was something that really blew us both away is just having all of those stories start pouring out of my father-in-law. And so I am grateful for the fact that adopting kiddos from where he came from, which is Poland, began a healing process in his heart. So that that was definitely, definitely an, an unexpected blessing to be grateful for because we certainly didn't set out to adopt to find out more about our family members. No, we did that not. was not at all. But but the blessing or the thankfulness carries over much further than just that moment in time because like I said it it gave me a perspective. It let me see things differently, which is going to be a theme that you're going to hear a little bit uh, throughout my things I'm grateful for. Uh, from my dad's eyes and it helped me as a young or I wouldn't even say a young adult anymore, a father, father adult of the age of 35 or 40, it helped me understand things that I never understood why my dad did certain things. I never understood that, but it, it opened those things up. So I was, and that has carried forward because it's, it's impacted my relationship with my dad since that moment in time. Uh, so it's been something that I'm probably eternally grateful for. And that is a, a like a, I guess a, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word I want to use. Uh, an unintentional consequence of the adoption uh, of these kiddos, it was I improved a relationship with my dad. Uh, so that was the first thing I have, not in the order, but the first thing I wanted to share because that was very early on when they first got to the United States. And that's amazing. And so I, um, one of the things I wanted to share about is when we are raising these kiddos from hard places or they have a capital letter syndrome, we have to practice gratefulness by looking for pinpricks of light. 
You know, if you think that, okay, well, I'm going to wait until this kid can regulate or till this kid can um, sit still in church or until he can spell a word or whatever is in your docket list of things for this your kiddos to be able to accomplish, then you're going to keep waiting before you practice gratefulness. And if you keep waiting to practice gratefulness, then your mindset is going to get negative. And then, like Jessica said on the podcast um, this past week is, you know, when you're looking for a yellow car, you're going to find a yellow car. So when you're looking for the positive, you're going to find the positive. When you're looking for the negative, you're going to find the negative and you're going to harp on it. The worst thing about looking for the negative is it seems to be a domino effect. When we see the negative and we look for the negative, then we begin to become critical of ourselves and others. And often when you begin to practice the habit of gratitude, whether it's, you know, good job putting your dish in the sink or good job trying to spell that word or good job sitting still for one minute, even if you needed them to sit still for five, there's a lot of resistance in your mind for that. Your mind just wants to go back to that old track of complaining and negative and if they would only, if they could only, if I would only. So it is, it's something, it's a job. This habit of gratefulness is a job and it's a difficult job, but it is definitely worth it because the investment that you're putting in gratefulness is going to pay back dividends for years to come in the relationship with that child. And it's also going to pay back in dividends of pin pricks of light. Like I said, if you're just looking for that miraculous one and done thing for your kiddo, it's, it's just not going to happen. And even if you do get it for 60 seconds, they're going to regress two minutes later. So just be grateful for those pen pricks of light, which kind of leads in, and then I'll let Jerry talk about this one, as we talked about this a little bit before we started, is stop comparing. Do not compare your child that has had trauma or has a capital letter syndrome with a neurotypical child that has never had trauma. Stop comparing. Stop trying to get your kid to measure up. I remember one of the most annoying things that adults used to do when I was younger is say, why can't you be more like Mary's child? Or why can't you be more like, or why can't you be more like your sister? Or why can't you, you know, I still remember the sting of that. And and those weren't even major things. That wasn't a major trauma. That was a minor thing. And that was just a kind of like, I know you have it in you kind of thing. But when we do that with our kids that have had trauma and they can't measure up, there's no way they could raise themselves up to that bar, then it's going to definitely put you back into that negative critical cycle that I was just talking about. And I'll let you say a few things. Well, I'm going to tie Kathleen's last two points together about the pen pricks of light. I would call, I tend to call those like, small victories and then bigger victories. But I also, on the comparison side, that's how it, uh, for me, um, early on, again, that was my one of my big uh, faults, is I was always like, well, they're not uh, keeping up with uh, whoever, uh, child, or they're not, why can't they do this or that? 
and, and whether it was a coordination thing or whether, I mean, for, for example, I'm just going to give you some examples. Uh, one of our children uh, didn't even, wasn't even allowed to practice crawling or getting out of a crib to walk until he was 15 or 16 months when we took him out for the very first time. Um, so it's not a fair comparison to compare him to another 15-year-old or 15-month-old that's already walking all over the place and saying words and starting to do things. Um, there, the, so that's how early the comparison can start. And that delay carries through uh, a lot of their um, their life all the way up into adulthood. But even even the compare on the I'm going to move like I said back and forth between comparison and victories. Uh, but you see them accomplish little victories. For I mean, one of the things I'm really grateful for uh, was like I remember the first time we took them into the doctors. Um, I was so I was proud of them. I was grateful for them because we had to we had to prep them that look, you're going to go into the doctor, and there are going to be people around with instruments that in the past. Uh, now, we're trying to explain this in half English, half Polish to these kids that are uh, seven to one and a half years old, um, uh, where all these people in these white coats have always meant pain to them in the past. So we actually talked to the doctors, talked to the dentists anytime we had an appointment. And fortunately for us, we knew a lot of the people we were taking them to. So we could ask them and they would take their white coats off that day or they, and they would come in in just their regular T-shirt and talk. And they let the kids do kid things, which is touch some of the instruments that they were allowed to touch. That they were going to their stethoscopes and things like that. And so they made it very uh, friendly and accommodating. But our kids were able to overcome that fear uh, of the doctors. And there is trust me, they had great reason to be fearful of the doctors uh, early on. Um, because like I said, in the past, it always has represented pain and removal is what their experience had been. So I was, I was grateful for how they were able to, at an early age, and I could witness it with my eyes, how they were able to start to relax and overcome those little things. And, and that, those kind of vic- that's a small victory, but it's a big victory. Um, and you take, carry that forward going through their life. Um, whether it was Kathleen talked about some school things just for them. I was, I mean, I remember just them getting up in front of people to recite something was another huge, uh, victory, small pinprick of light in their life, uh, what they're develop how they're developing and to be, but it, but it was a victory that I was grateful for because, um, I mean, they did it with fear and trembling most of the time. And you, well, a lot of kids might do that. But I think in a lot of our cases, some of our kids had, I mean, they weren't, they were probably more afraid than most because it was a new language. It was a lot of different things, new, new culture for them, but they were catching on quick in that area. Uh, and then as they moved forward in life, um, you know, it, it, one of those things that can be disappointing, we all think about, well, we want our kids to go to college. We want our kids to do this, to do that. We have these great expectations for them. Um, but learning what they want to do, their interest, what their bent is, learning what that was, and then watching them pursue that, 
was I was so grateful that they had the opportunity to pursue the things that they're interested in. And they weren't at that point in our lives, Kathleen, we weren't pressuring them to do what everybody else was doing. We could have been, but that could have been a disaster steering them in a wrong direction. But they all started pursuing what they're interested in. And as they pursued those things that they're interested in, this funny thing happened. And I'm grateful. They all of a sudden started to flourish. They started to uh, mature where their where their uh, physical age uh, and their emotional and social age started to catch up with each other, and they began to act and uh, behave more like the young adults that they were, and they were accomplishing things, getting into the jobs they wanted. So you see, I'm grateful that they were that they one of the things, and I'm going to talk about this. I keep saying that. Uh, but I'm gonna. One of the things I'm gonna talk about in a minute is things that I've. That I'm grateful for because of what they taught me. Um, but I, th- they did teach me in this moment to let them pursue their interests, and I'm grateful that we were able to. I'm grateful that they uh, did that because it's what they loved. Well, and I think that leads right into this point of lower your expectations and raise your habit of focusing on gratefulness. That, and the truth is, you know, maybe you're in an environment where academics are really stressed. Maybe you live in a community where all of your friends and kids go to college and maybe they go to Ivy League schools. And we were in a homeschool co-op. It was one that I actually co-founded. And academics was becoming like super, super important. And kids are getting scholarships and some of my kids got scholarships. But when I started focusing on my kiddos that had had trauma and have capital letter syndromes, like they needed to measure up and get these scholarships and do what everybody else was doing, then that was a failure on my part because that is not right. It's not true. It's not what we should be focusing on. It should be, we should be focusing on what the child can achieve. Lower the expectations, lower the bar. And when I say that, I'm not saying that the child is dumb or stupid. I'm just saying that our culture has this level of expectation for everybody that they need to, you know, it reminds me of Pete Seeger's song, Little Boxes. Like everybody has to do the same thing. They all have to go to college. They all have to go through the same scenario. And they don't. They don't. And when we put these expectations on our kids and then it's going to harm our relationship with them. And we don't want to harm our relationship because our relationship is something that needs to that is going to go on for the rest of our life. And we want it to be on a positive note. We want our kids to be able to be in a solid, secure relationship with us for the rest of our life. And if that means when they come to you and they say, you know, I don't want to go to college, I want to go to the Marines, or I just want to get a job, or don't make that the main thing. The main thing is your relationship. Drop your expectations. And if you really think it through, think back to when you told your parents what you wanted to do with your life. What kind of response did they have to you And some of them were very positive. But what kind of response did you want them 
to have. And, you know, my parents had a really good response to what I, I, I wanted to go to college. I love academics. I love school. But I will be honest with you. I probably, I'm a writer now. I probably should have majored in that. And I didn't because in order to please my parents, I changed my career choice. I changed what I was going to major in in school. And, and that's not their fault. That was my fault because their expectation was that I go to college and that I could choose what I wanted to choose. So anyway, just that whole roundabout story to say, it's not, maybe it's not even lower your expectations. It's change your expectations and find out what yeah, their expectations are. Change your expectations. And, you know, we're super, super proud of our youngest because we're like, he has a job. He goes to work. He pays his rent, you know, those kinds of things. Those are major, major victories in the world today. And if you think, well, no, I don't want to celebrate those kinds of things, then you better find something to celebrate. Because if you don't find something to be grateful for and celebrate, then you're going to be miserable. And so are the people around you. And we've had, you know, our days of that. We've had our hours of that where we're just... We have different expectations, and they're not met because our kids are not here to meet our expectations, and we don't have a family for them to meet our expectations. That's not the purpose. You look like you were going to say something. I am. I'm ready to jump in. When All you're right, done. jump in. <laughs> uh, one of the things, uh, I had two other things on my list, and I just want to talk about them both, but I'll start with the one, which is how... I'm great. I am extremely grateful for how um, having them, introducing them into my life uh, through adoption has changed me. Uh, and it, it's it's funny because the the changes that creates in me, or the changes that has created in me, have been on a large scale, uh, not something that's just small. Um, I, I learned, you know. The thing that I would t tell you is that having them in my life and understanding I had to change the way I parented. I had to, I had to change the way that I did things that I was used to doing for 35 or 38 years of my life. Um, but it, it helped me to be, a, I think, a better Christian in the sense that, I hope I'm allowed to say that word. Of course you are. Okay. Uh, in the sense that it helped me operate more in the fruit of the Spirit. Because one thing that uh, I learned through this was patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, self-control, love. All the, all the fruit of the Spirit were you have to operate in those things when you have these kiddos, these children that are, that are from these hard places. Because... They need those things, and they they will test you in those things because uh, if you don't have very much patience, uh, you're going to get some pretty quickly, I think. And I'm thankful though that that I was able to develop that those that those fruit in my life because that development of those things that I mentioned has impacted me not only in how I interact with my uh, children, all of my children. Uh, not just adopted children, but it's also impacted the way uh, 
the lens through which I look at life. Uh, it, it impacts all my relationships and how I view them, whether it's work or whether it's a uh, spouse or whether it's uh, uh, children. The whole gamut of life has been impacted in a better way, and I'm thankful for that because without, without them, I wouldn't have learned some of these, uh, what I would call skill set of people skill sets, of learning how to be a better, uh, basically, Christian and a person. Because they teach you those things, uh, again, quite unintentionally, just because you have to learn them. You have to, in order to have success raising them, these are things that you have to learn. Uh, right. And it remind, well, I was just going to interject one little thing. It reminds me of when we were doing the Empowered to Connect parent training. And one of the dads would come up afterwards, after class, if you want to call it that, was over and say, oh, I've been using this stuff at work. And it's it's great. It's been really working well at work as well. So, yeah. Once you start learning the the scientific principles and how trauma affects the brain and, you know, people think that that is separate from your religion or your Christianity or your walk with God. And I will tell you that every connecting principle is in the Bible because God created them and God created the science behind it. And when there's been a break in attachment and you have to go back and repair those breaks, that's what he's talking about, is going to take all of the gifts of the Spirit. You're going to have to walk them out. You're going to have to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Did I miss any? No, you got them. Okay, you're going to have to have those. Or you're going to either, you know, and be grateful that those are there for you to use. Is it hard? Yes. But anything worth doing, anything worth accomplishing, achieving, is hard. There's nothing in your life that's ever going to be like, oh my goodness, this this was so easy and I'm so good at it. Well, if you're one of those people, we don't like you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, it is hard. But it's also something to be grateful for. Be grateful for those things that you go through. It's like the scripture in Isaiah 41, 15, where God says, and I've been studying this scripture a lot and and trying to figure out what it means. And every time I study it, like it keeps coming up to me a couple times a week, sometimes daily in a Bible study I'm doing. And it's that God will make us a threshing tool, a threshing tool to take down mountains. And so kind of my unintentional paraphrase of that is like God is going to take these difficult things that you go through and he's going to make you a tool, a tool that can thresh a mountain, that can take down these obstacles in your life, but it's going to be work and it's going to be hard. I don't know about you, but I don't want someone to hand me a little threshing tool and say, go take that mountain down. But that's what we have to do. God's like, okay, I've given you the fruit of the Spirit. Here you go. Go take that mountain down. And when you get that mountain down, then you can be grateful and thankful and give the glory to God because He's given you the ability through Him, through His grace and His gifts to do that. Excellent. I have one other thing I want to bring up, and then I'll let you finish. Okay. I, I've been kind of monopolizing the points, but 
Uh, one of my last, my last, actually, it's not one of, it's my last point that I have written down, but I think it is probably uh, the one that is the, the most uh, um, important one of all. And that is, I am grateful because my life is richer because of having children from hard places in my life. Um, I think of all the joy, the laughter, the heartache uh, that they brought. Uh, I love holidays with uh, everyone gathered around the table and they're there, they're laughing, they're interacting. They're, they are just part of our family. They're part of society. They're part of God's family. They are connected. Uh, I am so grateful for those things in my life. And, the, and I guess if I could sum it up in a phrase, it would be that I have uh, sons and a daughter for eternity. Uh, and I am grateful Extremely grateful for that. Well, Jerry, people are going to think that you like to cry because he never cries. I'm just telling you. <laughs> like I could count on one hand and two of them have been on this podcast. Well, and one was at Amory's wedding. Yes. Audrey's wedding. And Anya's Okay, wedding. so maybe two hands. Weddings I cry at. <laughs> so um, I have already made all of my points, but I think that um, we would love to hear from you. What things are you grateful for when you're raising kids that have come from hard places or have a capital letter syndrome? Send us a message. Email us at thewholehouseteam at gmail.com or just comment on our website or on our Facebook page because we would just absolutely love to hear from you this season. What are you grateful for in your family? So thanks for joining us and we will see you next week on the Whole House Podcast. Bye. We're so glad you could join us on the Whole House Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on our Facebook page and on Instagram at the underscore whole underscore house. You can also follow us on thewholehouse.org by email to receive our newsletter and keep up to date on things happening at the Whole House.